Hello, and welcome to episode 241 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Rebecca R. to The Modern Manager community. If you've been listening for a while, you may recall episode 217, Plan Your Day with Ashutosh Priyadarshi. I mentioned his company, Sansama, which is the planning tool I use to coordinate my day. I love it because it brings together my calendar, tasks, and goals into one centralized place. And I am reminding you about this episode because with the new year just a few weeks behind us, you may be looking for a new way to better plan your day as an individual or with your team. And if so, Sansama is providing an extended 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. I highly, highly recommend you check it out. And I say this as someone who relies on Sansama every day to keep me organized and on track. The link for the trial is in the show notes and in my email newsletter if you're a subscriber. Today's guest is Holly Welch-Stubbing. Holly currently serves as president and CEO of E4E Relief. She has over 25 years of experience in HR, endowment investments, and disaster relief. Her organization, E4E Relief, is an employee relief fund that works with global companies like Salesforce and Wells Fargo to relieve employees when it's needed most. Holly also serves on the Forbes Human Resources Council and shares her philanthropic vision with fellow executives. She's a thought leader in ESG, philanthropy, and corporate social responsibility, and speaks on these topics as well. Holly and I talk about how we as managers can best support our colleagues when a tragedy occurs. This could be a natural disaster, a death in the family, political upheaval in the city. And she shares what employees care about, what we can do as managers, and why it's important to support people through these difficult moments. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Holly. I'm looking forward to this conversation because I know nothing about this topic. And so this is really going to be a good learning opportunity for me, along with my audience and my listeners. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So we are going to talk about how you as a manager and maybe as a company can support team members who are going through hardships, things like natural disasters, attacks in their their community, loss. And I have to say, this is really a, a very important topic to me at this particular moment for two reasons. One, and I actually don't think I've said this to my audience yet, but my mother passed away just at the time of this recording less than two weeks ago. So I've been really experiencing this on a a firsthand basis. And also my uncle, my mother's brother, who we've been spending a lot of time with lately, was dealing with flooding in California and wasn't able to get back to his home because of like their the emergency evacuations. So I feel like just this topic is is just so resonant. And so again, that that's one of the reasons why I'm really feeling like this is very timely for us to be talking about. So, with all of that as as context, maybe you can just start us off by talking about kind of what are some of these hardships that you feel like people are experiencing today. I mean, I just named three, but I'm anticipating that there's probably lots of different kinds of hardships and loss that people are experiencing outside of the workspace. Yeah. Well, let me start by saying I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. I know that is a really difficult time. Moms are important. 
And so I just want to extend my sympathies there. And then, of course, learning more about your uncle, this is actually the point. I mean, this this is a perfect example of what people are facing really all over the world right now. And there are a variety of things driving that climate. Climate change, we know, is creating a series of natural disasters across the world that employers and employees are really trying to understand. We have geopolitical risks and activities all over the world that are driving hardships. We have economic, significant economic shifts going on in our society, both in the United States and North America, but then in other parts of the world as well. And then we have the significant sort of COVID after effects, if you will, of what people are still struggling with in terms of either getting sick or having their colleagues be ill and and the impact of that in particular industries like manufacturing and other places where folks are really, it's, it's, it's highly noticeable when there are groups of people that are ill. And so that those are the types of things that are happening to people that create hardships. And it creates a lot of concern and compassion and support by the employers for em- their employees who experience these things. Because as you know, everybody is feeling the effects of these things. Really, no matter where you are in the corporate environment or not, we, we've all felt the effects of one or, one or all of those things that I mentioned. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there are so many. And and until COVID, I feel like, and again, my this is only my own experience, but I feel like until COVID, there was maybe a, a a different kind of expectation of employers about how to handle these kinds of situations. And then COVID happened and it went from kind of, we have corporate policy of we'll send flowers or you can take some extra time off this into like this embracing of like, we need to help people in new ways. We need to give people new space. We need to find new ways to process. And managers have kind of to take on this new role of being there for their team members or giving team members space. And now we're kind of in, I think, maybe another phase where we're trying to figure out really what is the role of a manager and what is appropriate for a employer to do and what is not like what is actually right. the right. the job of the government or community services or other spaces. So could you talk a little bit about kind of how you envision or understand the role of an organization and a manager to support their employees when faced with these challenges? Yeah, I'll go all the way back a little bit to what you said about pre-COVID and post-COVID. So if you think about, I know you shared with me at the beginning of the podcast that you're in New York. If you think about 2012, when Hurricane Sandy hit New York City, I don't know if you were there at that time, but the significant impact of that disaster in the New York area, New Jersey and New York, and how employers were really scrambling, trying to figure out how to help the voluminous number of people who whose homes were underwater during that period in a way that they just hadn't anticipated previously. And in fact, the New York City Hurricane Sandy report was just released about two months ago of what has been done as a, to your point about this idea of the public-private elements of this, what the public-private partnerships in New York have done to try to make sure that Battery Park and other areas, it's clear what's going to happen, you know, if something happens again. And so if we go back and we think 
pre-COVID, we were ex- we were seeing employers experience significant impacts from fires and storms. And then you, but but I agree with you that it was very sporadically experienced and sporadically handled. Some had th- some done some thinking about it. Certainly, everybody had done thinking about business continuity planning and their businesses and moving their businesses forward. But I think the employee side of that might have been a bit lagging in that 2012 period. And I think if you flash forward to 22 in post-COVID, I do think that the employee is seen as a key asset of the business if it wasn't before and and the key stakeholder, if you will, around thinking about how to make sure that we know where they are, we know what types of support they need. And as you well know, companies, managers and companies do a variety of things when these things happen and help in different kinds of ways. Sometimes it's about getting people out of harm's way. And sometimes it's truly helping with the aftermath and, and of the, the output of whatever has, has gone on. I do think that there are some resulting business trends that have come from those macro trends around stakeholder capitalism and thinking about your business and the management of the business differently. Certainly diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think plays a role here in terms of financial inclusion as it relates to how your base, how well equipped they are to experience an unexpected event. And then also kind of just generally employee well-being in a post-COVID world, the, the mental wellness piece of it, how people are feeling, reacting, connecting with the company. All three of those to me are sort of resulting business trends from what has happened in the last certainly three years, but if not five to 10 years. So what are some of the things that you're actually seeing organizations and and or managers or business leaders do differently now? Are, are they setting up different policies? Are they kind of just creating more flexibility? I mean, what What do you see as being kind of the things that are actually helping or kind of making a difference? Yeah, I mean, I really think that I've been calling it like we everybody uses the term in finance about zero-based budgeting. I really think that people are are sort of having a zero-based benefits and well-being review and really pulling out and saying, okay, what are all the things that we're doing in a modern society for our employees and stakeholders? And are those things helping them in the way that they need to be? And and if if they are, great, let's let's look at the impacts of those things. And I think things are getting reshuffled a bit. And essentially the playbook is getting rewritten right now on what that should look like. I definitely think flexibility is here to stay. I think hybrid work environments are here to stay. There there are things like that that are certainly a post-COVID output. But just even thinking about how people are leaning into supporting people in a crisis and and time associated with that and the level of support that they're getting is different just because if we just look at the last several months and Hurricane Ian and the severity of Hurricane Ian in Florida and the number of businesses and employees that were impacted by that storm alone, thousands and thousands and thousands of people impacted by that storm, either in the form of losing something, dam- a damaged home or evacuation for some period of time. So I do think people are rewriting the handbooks. I do think there's more flexibility. I think there are sort of newer in, in engagement techniques that companies are trying during this period, but I don't know that we know what will stick yet. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, I feel like a lot of this, we're still kind of figuring out, like, what is the post-COVID work 
world look like right. or kind of this next phase of COVID world if, if we're agreeing that it's not yet disappeared and probably never will be. And mm-hmm. so I, I see how this is still something that's kind of in, in real-time development. Are there things that you are seeing managers or organizations do that specifically you don't recommend? Or are there kind of things that we should really be avoiding as managers when it comes to trying to be helpful, but actually get not being helpful? I really see employers really leaning in and sort of bending over backwards to try to figure out what is best. There's not anything that comes to top of mind in terms of what to avoid necessarily, but I do think there's a continuum of if you're placing these things on a continuum of what's most impactful, both to the employer and the employee, you're going to get a different result based on what you're plugging into that. But nothing that is obvious to avoid from my perspective. Well, that's good to know, because I feel like we're all doing a whole bunch of stuff and and knowing that right. there's nothing in particular that we should absolutely not do in and of itself, it, it's helpful. So I want to shift a little bit to talking about what you should like what's different when you have people across multiple locations right it's one thing if we're all located in new york and we all experience sandy and we're kind of all going through this crisis together then if one team member's in new york and one's in florida and one is in london and one is in name any other global city in the world right and now we are all experiencing different kinds of disasters or different kinds of hardships and experiences based on what's going on in our local environment, our political movements, our et cetera. So how are you seeing organizations or kind of what do you, how do you make sense of how organizations and managers can kind of support people who are kind of when you're not all going through it together? Yeah. I mean, I see this as a huge focus by corporate, corporate folks, both, I mean, global corporations, whether they're headquartered in the U.S. or not, I think you see this worldwide, particularly Europe and Latin America and the U.S., Canada, where people are really saying, how can I try and make sure to build equity into my process of, of support for people in, in, the, in a variety of ways? And I do think that's why the, the benefit stack is being looked at, because, of course, it's a natural place where all of those things are typically offered across the board, whether you're in one location or another. And that's not always the case, but I do, you even see certain things being, you know, maybe there's different corporate structures, but you see certain things transcending those structures in order to help, you know, particular individuals. So I do agree that it's really important to the companies that we talk to. And I work for an organization called E4E Relief, which provides relief programs for stakeholders across a wide variety of corporate supports. So our primary relief program support employees, but also support other stakeholders of the company like contractors or franchisee employees, supply chain workers, others. And so this idea of thinking, trying to think about everybody in a similar way, because what what they don't want to do is support someone for Hurricane Ian in Florida and leave out their key workforce in the Ukraine or in Poland after what's happened this last year. So I do think that they have found and are looking for multiple solutions that cro- that solve for benefit type offerings across the world globally. And really the only way we do operate globally and the only way we do that is, is as a tech-enabled solution 
that helps us kind of navigate the complexity of cross-border grant making and payments. And I think that's how others are doing it for other other types of benefits, employee assistance programs, whether that be everything from the the mental health supports and maybe some well-being offerings that the company is offering to the type of thing that we're doing. So I do think it's possible to offer it, and I do think people are really focused on it. Yeah, and I it, it makes so much sense that you have to bring an equity lens because people are all going to experience different things and the environment that they're experiencing them in is different. And so you, you can't just be a kind of one size fits all. And that that's like the beauty of, of equity and saying it doesn't have to be equal. It needs to be equitable. Right. Right. And I would say just to add to what you were saying earlier, this idea of connectedness and engagement is really kind of where it's at in this way. So in other words, if I if I spend my day-to-day work life, managing and or working for people who maybe I'm on a global team that has maybe my developers or some key part of my equation is in Eastern Europe, but I live in the United States or I live in Europe. And then all of a sudden this thing happens with Russia and I need to figure out, okay, well, these people are part of my everyday team. This is how I operate today. And so thinking about how global teams really work and how people really do get connected to each other. And when something happens to the one spot over here, the other the other folks want to step up and do something. So it isn't so much about the corporation doing something as it is about the employees engaging with one another and the connectedness that comes from that process, both as human beings in a difficult situation, but also just as an element of supporting your colleague when something happens. Yeah, I mean, and that's where I think the manager comes into play because as a manager, you may not have the, you may not be in the position to make the choices around what kinds of official employee support offers there are through the company, what kind of benefits there are, et cetera. But you get a lot of leeway when it comes to how do you show up and support that colleague before, during, and after, right? That's right. And you really saw, I mean, if I think back when I've I've been in this kind of disaster world for several years now, watching various disasters and how and the impact of those disasters on various communities and and corporations and they're all important and they all generate connectedness and engagement and support by companies but the ones that are the most severe the ones that are the most unexpected or the most devastating typically bring forward a group of leaders within the company that say we we absolutely must we must do something and that as you noted earlier in the podcast is it, it is a bit different than it was in the past and i do think that that is coming from managers i think it's managers who are looking at their people going okay <laughs> what can we do and in many cases it might be the manager themselves who's experiencing this along with their team which also i think brings kind of another layer of support because that puts you in a very i mean i think about there were some folks in the hospitality industry who lost entire hotels and or the hotels are so damaged that they've been closed between Fiona and Ian this year the hurricanes and in those instances you had the managers of the hotels and the managers on the team actually driving out an on the ground effort to support their people and that's what I've seen over and over and over again, depending upon which one it is, where it is. And it's amazing because it's cross-industry. It, it is completely divorced from any kind of particular overlay. It's no matter the income band, no matter the location, it's the same thing that we we know to be true about human beings, which is that they care for one another when there's something 
that has happened. And you just see illustrations of that so often in, in what we're doing, which I realize is a small microcosm of the whole, but it's very specific to these hardships. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about other things that managers might do. And I'm, I'm curious what you think about these. It's like my team used to be global. Right now we're all within the United States, but not co-located. And kind of just generally knowing what's going on in the cities where people live and just kind of paying attention so that you're you're kind of just aware of like what's happening in their country or what's happening in their city so that they don't have to be the one to tell you, oh, there was a big fire, right? Like you should, right. like should kind of know, oh, there's wildfires in California. That's something mm-hmm. I as a manager could find out independently if I'm just paying a little bit of attention to what's going on in the communities where my team members live. Mm-hmm. And you, given the the number of these things, it is it is getting harder to to do that on your own. But I do see companies that we work with tend to be global companies that you know really whether they're smaller companies or larger, they are operating in multiple places. And you see almost a business function of support in the HR departments to be aware of kind of the life events, if you will, going on with team members on Moss and places. But to your point for the for the the modern manager, the one who's really wanting to grow in their space and really wants to be excellent at their craft, I think this idea of what's going on in the world is probably now part of the equation in a pretty direct way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. We don't have to do it all on our own, right? We we can also talk right. with our team members and make that part of our weekly conversations just in a very casual way of what's going on and so that we don't have to do it another hard to do on our to-do list. I'm also thinking about some of the support that I received after my mom passed in from colleagues and organizations I volunteer with and how just how important it is to receive those just like notes of support and just sometimes the the words themselves and knowing that somebody took the time to reach out is really powerful. And then like things like sending food. I've eaten so much chocolate recently. <laughs> but but being able to just feel like you're not in and alone is really powerful. And I know it really depends on what yeah. the hardship is. And are you like, I don't have time to open up a box of chocolates because my house is flooding and I'm trying to find a new place to live and figure out how to get my kid schooling when their school's been flooded. And right. So it, it does have to kind of make sense to the moment. But some of those kind of just showing support seems to really, you know, be really important. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because in in what we do every day, which is provide these relief grants, we've done impact research on the impact of our grants. And to your point, when there is a death, the, the programs span a variety of disasters and hardships and the company decides what events they want to cover for their employees based on the amount of money they have to spend. And so many of the programs, most frankly, cover some kind of death situation. And what you find is that as a result of that, and I think the severity of some of these disasters, one of our top stats that we talk about is the number of folks that feel less alone from having received a relief grant, which when we initially got the information was sort of blew us away. But listening to you articulate how important it was for you to have that kind of touch point with your colleagues and your friends in the volunteerism space and other colleagues. It makes sense, right? Because 
this idea of feeling like you're part of a network and you're part of a company that cares. And, and oh, by the way, all of my colleagues around me acknowledge that. That's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. So I, I mean, to me, you're sort of hitting on some of the key impact metrics that we're trying to uncover. A lot of our stuff is about regaining financial stability or it might be about mental health. And in some instances, it is about connectedness and engagement. But this this idea of, of whether whether you feel alone is a big marker in corporate America for whether or not people really want to stay with, with your company. Wow. So important to know I mean, that that is just like it's such a kernel. I'm wondering if there are other of these little nuggets that came out of your research that would make sense to share with us. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been conducting the research now for several years. We've had we've given away around 220 million in grants since 2017, and it's about 300,000 applications. So that gives you some sense of this the size of it. And then of that 300,000, we probably surveyed maybe 100,000, and of 100,000, we've probably gotten I don't know 20 20 to 25% of those folks have responded to a survey over the last two years. So it's pretty powerful data in the sense that it's a lot of people who've completed fairly extensive survey data on their mental well-being, whether or not these grants help them regain financial stability, how they feel about their company. It doesn't go into the manager piece of it as much. It's more about the firm overall because the firm is the one that's providing the grants. But so often what you see in these difficult moments is that the manager is stepping in and actually making sure the application gets done, like physically stepping in. And in some instances is filling out a proxy application for a family that lost a family member or is in such difficult shape, they can't get it done. And the manager is saying, I want to make sure that you have access to this. And that would be true, whether it be our niche thing that we're doing, or whether it be something broader that the company's offering that's of support. But over 70% of the folks said that it helped them gain regain financial stability, which is when you look at the demographics of who we're serving, because we are serving a it's primarily women head of household who are working industries across the board. And when you when you say you're helping a woman head of household regain financial stability, that may be the difference between them being at work or not being at the next day or the next week. And so from our perspective, some of these things are payments as a lifeline. They are their lifelines into the future of the family. And so those are some of the key impacts that we have we've seen so far. We're kind of in the middle of some exciting upgrades to the impact research that we're hoping to launch soon. And maybe we can I can come back to you again when we get it done. But it's I'm really excited about it candidly because I don't think there's anything like it out there to talk about employees in crisis. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. And I, I want to go back to what you just said about managers kind of stepping up and either filling out the paperwork or kind of making sure that it's it's happening. And I think that is just, one, incredible and gives me a lot of hope for, for managers as a role that, that people are really going above and beyond what is required of them to make sure their team members are feeling supported. And also just a good reminder to us that whatever hardship our team members are experiencing, we can play a role in getting them the right support, whether it's going to HR and saying, hey, what's available? I have a colleague who's struggling with something. Is there a program that our company offers? 
And if not through our company, right, even doing a little bit of research and saying like, hey, I know this, like we've talked about this, you're struggling with X or Y, and is there something I can do to help? Or I found some resources online that might be helpful for you. Like it feels like there are appropriate ways that managers can facilitate their team members to get those right resources. And I think that's exactly right. And I I am truly, honestly, constantly amazed at the at the depths that some of these managers go to to make sure that all available resources are are utilized for their teams. And often sometimes it's HR doing that, but in my opinion, 70, 80% of the time, it's the manager. And it's just, it's a very powerful thing. I mean, because we end up on the phone with a lot of these folks to try to walk through a process for them, with them, for their employee. And it's just, it's just kind of an amazing thing to observe. Yeah. And, And sometimes it even is the manager themselves doing something, as you said, like showing up on your in your free time or kind of to be able to help someone. I know I had a colleague whose father ended up in the hospital very suddenly and she had to travel and I booked her a hotel room. I was like, I don't want yeah. you to have to worry about this. I'm going to book it for you. I'm paying for it. You just get yourself there as fast as you can so you can be there with your dad. And like, yeah, that was my out of pocket. We don't have a, a company policy about paying for hotel rooms for, for right. employees. But that was what I could do to support her in that moment and help her feel seen and supported. So, right, it's we can we can do whatever it is that we can do. So with that, we have to start to wrap up. Oh, so already? Holly, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Sure. So I am like a unicorn because I am in my 50s and I have only worked for three people. <laughs> which is a weird a weird thing, right? Because I must have liked it. And so it was it was funny in preparing for this, thinking about those three three folks and some of the similarities between them in terms of what I liked about them. And so what I would say I liked about them is that I am a person who likes to envision the future and create change and think about doing something new. I can also operate it, but I like to think about how to move things forward. And the best thing I liked about the managers I've had and the one I've had for the last many, many years who just retired about two weeks ago is that they did not get in my way. They were able to leverage kind of the best parts of me, if that makes sense, and put me in a position to be successful in moving things forward. And that might've meant in working for all of these three folks were CEOs of institutions. So I've always worked for the CEO until now I am a CEO. So it's definitely, there's a difference. And I find myself looking back at what I liked about those relationships and saying, okay, I need to try and adopt that and make sure that I'm doing that for my own team as well, because it's something that I really, I don't know, it allowed me to thrive. So I don't know if that's the type of answer you were looking for, but that was, that was what I, I thought about, about, about my most recent manager who was CEO of a community foundation here in North Carolina. His name is Michael Marsicano. And I worked for him for 23 years. And then I worked for two other folks as well. But they, and interestingly enough, they were very similar personalities and similar styles. And all of those folks seem to, I don't know, allow that, allow that to be developed. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work and your business? 
Well, they can, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn under Holly Welch Dubbing, but I'm also, we can go, you can go to our website and learn more on e for e reliefs website, which is www.e4erelief.org. Thank you again so much for chatting with me today and sharing your research and your insights with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed meeting you and I'm excited to continue listening to your Modern Manager podcast. Holly is providing a disaster worksheet with things to consider when responding to a crisis. The worksheet lays out the stakeholders to consider, partners to establish, and funding to set aside for navigating an unforeseen event that impacts your people or your business. This amazing guest bonus is available to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. To join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. And don't forget about that special Sinsama 30-day free trial. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T. EOR.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.